students, and welcome to the Writer Magazine Insider Podcast. I'm Greg Drevenstead, Editor-in-Chief at Writer Magazine. Hope you enjoyed our interview with former Army paratrooper Perry Steed on episode 52. He was interviewed by our associate editor, Paul Dale, who wrote a feature about Steed called Riding for Light that was published in the October 2022 issue of Writer. Our guest on episode 53 is Daryl Cannon. He's a photographer better known as Killboy. If you've ridden the tail of the dragon in Tennessee, then you've seen Killboy banners along the road where he and his team of photographers capture motorcycles in action. I really enjoyed speaking with Killboy. He shares his backstory of hard work, dedication, and entrepreneurial spirit. Killboy went from being a factory worker who enjoyed riding his motorcycle on the dragon on weekends to teaching himself photography and building a thriving business. I also tell the story about my first encounter with Killboy during my first press launch back in 2008. It was an embarrassing moment that has been preserved for posterity. You can see some of Killboy's photos in our report from the Continental Road Attack 4 tire launch in the February 2023 issue of Rider and on RiderMagazine.com. You can also check out his photos at his website, Killboy.com. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy the episode. We welcome your feedback as well as your suggestions for guests or topics. Send an email to Rider at RiderMagazine.com. Killboy, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Awesome. Well, I just have to say I've known you for years, but until I you shot the um, Continental Road Attack 4 press launch back in November, you and I had never met in person. And um, I remember I shared with you kind of a, um, a confessional story about <laughs> the first time I had contact with yeah, you from that. a distance. You were behind the lens. But um, I just want to, you know, for most of our listeners that probably know, know your name, Killboy, you're a photographer. Uh, you're best known for shooting Tale of the Dragon. Um, that's the section of US 129 with the famous 318 curves and 11 miles uh, near Great Smoky Mountains National Park in Deals Gap. So, you know, you've been shooting there for years. That's a very famous road, gets a lot of traffic. So give us a little background. How'd you get started doing that? Man, I just fell ass backwards into it. Are we allowed to curse on this thing? Um, Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it was just uh, it was one of these weird things that um, I was just sort of an opportunist um always have been and saw the opportunity the potential of doing something kind of fun there and I'd never you know I was pretty young back then I was just working I'd just gone from retail work into sort of factory work for several years at that point and I was I was a forklift operator I was a material handler at the time that I started this gig and so I rode my motorcycle some from time to time and um I would go out to the to the dragon and with some buddies or something like that from two hours away we lived in middle tennessee at the time and uh and i just sort of was hanging out and i'm i'm fair-skinned i couldn't really hang out at the overlook with all that sun up there and everything that everybody else hangs out at so i would hang out in the turns and just sort of take a break between rides in the shade and and uh i, I won this gift certificate at work for like four hundred dollars for you know attendance or something like that so i it was at like um circuit city at the time that when that used to still be a thing and and uh digital cameras were just becoming a thing and i thought oh that'd be cool i get a little digital camera and just goof off with it you know and and it took every bit of that secure that certificate to get a basic ass digital camera point and shoot back then yeah um they were expensive and they ate batteries like crazy but uh yeah i just started playing around with the digital camera i'd never been into photography never took any classes on it or anything never even had a film camera of my own before digital cameras and um it just grew you know i just started playing around with it and 
And I was running a website back then. I registered the domain killboy.com. It was just a gaming nickname that I picked up from a band that I liked, The Offspring. They got a song called Killboy Powerhead. And I thought, oh, that would be a cool gaming nickname. And so I registered the .com and was just goofing off on it. And I started like posting about what I was doing on the motorcycle and going to the Deals Gap, the Dragon at the time. And nobody was really doing blogs and stuff back then. This was in like late 90s. Wow. And uh, yeah. You know, so it was kind of a it was kind of a thing that people started following and see, keeping up with what was going on out there. Nobody else was really doing it for that road at the time, reports and things. And it was mostly a lot of writing back then. I did more more writing than I was photos, but um, started posting photos and people were like, hey, you know, take my picture and put it up there so I can download it, and put it on my phone or whatever. So you can make a living at this, man. You know, started getting in my head. So for a couple of years, I just goofed off with it and got better and got better equipment did the best I could. And then finally in like 2001, I decided, okay, I'm going to try this and put them on a, on a store website and see what happens. And it took right off and I started getting orders and couldn't really, it was, it was busting my ass to work a full-time 40 plus hour a week material handling job. And then also run up to the dragon, get the photos on the weekend. So it was pretty short order within like a couple of months. I just uh, quit my job and went full-time on this. And then Ron and Nancy, we kind of started talking at the Overlook and they were like, you know, why don't you just move over here into one of our spare warehouses with some living space and you don't have to drive back and forth. And so that began that partnership with Tale of the Dragon so that we sort of have a symbiotic relationship. They use the photos to promote their business and that in turn promotes my business. And, you know, we've helped each other that way. But so you're yeah, talking about the, the are you talking about the Deals Gap Resort there? I know like at one end where like Tale of Dragon intersects with NC28. There's that store and, and there's some cabins and it's a whole little resort and there's that tree of shame. That's the place that most people are probably familiar with to get souvenirs and stuff. Is that the area you're talking about? No, this is across the road from them. Okay. Um, so there's like a competing businesses now. So Deals Gap Motorcycle Resort has their own souvenirs and, and they've got the hotel and the restaurant. It's a really good place too. Um, and then across the street, Tale of the Dragon is Ron and Nancy Johnson's thing and they they've trademarked that term and they sell their own brand of gotcha. t-shirts okay. and they're the ones that sort of started the calling the road that and you know that's a that's a whole controversial thing there is like what the road <laughs> is actually called and how it all started you know it's, there's a lot of misconceptions about that but yeah it's across the street there's where their store is and then they have a strong online presence um they started a website that lists what's going on what events are coming so you can sort of plan a trip and, and know a a little bit about what's going on before you get there and things like that. So it's a lot of good information on their website um, and they have some great products. And like I said, they've trademarked that phrase that tell of the dragon right, is right. theirs. So they, they um, are the only place where you can legally get those things. You can find gotcha. them sometimes. Okay. In that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. 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 Well, so it's you've hard. been, you've been doing this pretty steadily. I mean, you started in late nineties, so that's, you know, early days of the internet that in terms of people using it, it was before social media. And then, 2001, you started doing this more regularly, but you're still doing your full-time job plus this on the side. So this is basically, you're trying to build the business as, yeah. Well, this is my full-time job, the photography. Oh, no, yeah, no, I yeah. mean, by, by then though, at some point you, you were oh, yeah. enough to be able to quit your job and do this full-time. Yeah. And I was kind of frustrated with, I mean, I, I was one of those naive young people that would work, you know, whatever they wanted me to do. And I busted my ass. Um, I've always been real you know, focused worker. And so we, I was in a position at that point where I was kind of irritated anyway with where I was working because somebody had quit and they were asking me to cover for them. And it had been like 
you know, six months. Right. And they're like, yeah, we're going to bring somebody else on. Well, you're going to pay me double while I'm doing two people's work because right. I'm busting it here. So they were, they were profiting and benefiting from me working so hard. So I think, um, and, and the whole shop was getting ready to get that, that factory was getting ready to get shut down anyway. It was already had been made clear that we only had about six months and they were just going to close up shop anyway. So, um, at this place, so I was going to have to find another job anyway. So I just, at one point there on a Friday, I just laid my badge on my desk and walked out and was like, I'm not even coming back. And that's the only time I've ever not turned in like a two week notice, but right. they kind of pissed me off to the point that I was just tired of it anyway. So it worked out pretty fortuitous that I had this thing sort of taunting me to come, come do this, you know, and, um, and I'd never done anything, run my own business. I didn't know anything about that. So I've, I've crash course learned a lot about running your own business and, you know, how to, we're still always learning on bookkeeping and, you know, taxes and things like that for running your own business. It's, it's not easy stuff. It, having your own gig has got its pros and cons and there's definitely more pros. Don't get me wrong, but it's a lot of work, a lot of headache, a lot of stress sometimes. Um, Absolutely. And we've learned a lot along the years and we're still learning all the time. So you've been, let's see, we're going back, you know, it's 2023. So you've been doing this full-time for more than 20 years. Yeah. You, you were doing this all by yourself. And obviously, like I said, you had a lot to learn. I've run my own business before. I know what you mean. Like they, there's the saying that's like, oh, if you own your own business, you have the freedom to work uh, whenever you want. Which means no, work all the you're time. always working. <laughs> yeah, you're yeah. always working. You're exactly. Never yeah. But, you know, the, the cool thing, I could see how, you know, I've worked for a motorcycle magazine since 2008. Before that, I was just a regular motorcyclist. Um, I used to live in the Southeast. I did the, actually originally from Nashville, and I rode the Dragon for the first time in like 2005. So I probably, you know, you probably captured some photos of me yeah. back then, but I don't remember buying them. But once I started working for a magazine, like I go to press launches, I go to, you know, I, I do photo shoots. So I'm very fortunate in that I have professional photographers capture me in action on motorcycles all the time. That's what we do in yeah. the feature in the magazine. But for most motorcycle owners and car owners and anybody like that, they don't, I mean, you can take a static photo of your car or motorcycle parked somewhere, but to get somebody else on the side of the road, capture a right. good action photo of them riding or driving is, is difficult and a rare thing to do. So I can see why, especially somebody wants to ride this famous road like Tale of the Dragon, and then they get to have this like the super cool souvenir, which is a photo that can be blown up and made into a poster, or they can put it on social media or whatever is is a great thing. So you really have you can offer something to people that not really many people can, you know. Yeah, that's one of those. It's hard to take a picture of yourself. It's hard to even get a friend to get a picture that looks to this level. You know, we get so much practice at it. Our guys shoot over 50,000 photos a week um, wow. on average. So we get tons of practice. We know where all the good angles are, where, where to be for the light, you know, to be the best and, and things like that. We don't shoot super creative. We do get some grumblings from customers about i wish you guys shot a longer shutter speed and we'd love to but <laughs> we only get like sometimes we only get one shot and right. then it's busy right so you know it's different if you're at a racetrack and the people are going around and around and around and around right. you get all day so you can take five thousand shots and get a hundred good ones that's fine but you can't do that on the dragon we don't get the opportunity to reshoot a lot of these people they're coming through one time they're yep. in a crowd of bikes, you know, yep. and so we can't get too risky or creative with the shutter speed, but we do still shoot a lower shutter speed than anybody else out there, but it's still not a super draggy, 
you know, lots of motion type of thing. And I love those. I would love to be able to do that. And if somebody's going back and forth, right. our guys are typically shooting in a mode where they can rip the shutter speed down right quick, get a couple of those long exposures, maybe, you know, take five shots and two of them are good type of thing. And then go back to our regular, you know, sort of safe shutter speed. But, but yeah, to get that kind of shot as a writer, you know, in action is something that, you're blessed with, like you said, because of your position that you're in. But for most people, it's it's um it's a hard thing to do. So to be able to provide that and know what it means to people, we get some of these just amazing stories about, and it's very humbling. It reminds us to stay focused. You know how it means so much to them. That was the last ride with their father before he passed away, or it's the last pictures of their son before he was, you know, sent off, you know, in in the military or something like that. So. Right these photos mean a lot to people and it's very um, important that we keep that in mind and stay as focused on this is going to sound kind of, I guess, mean or something, but it's like, I tell my guys, you know, we tend to sort of pep up and really get these really killer shots of the things that we're interested in. Right. Things that are cool, things that are exciting, but it's like, it's the people that are just riding through on the regular stuff, the, the more, boring stuff if you will that are our primary customers you know and so stay as intensely focused on getting those good shots on those just people poking through or just cruising through on regular vehicles even though they're not exotic you know supercars or crazy fast motorcycles or whatever get your blood going whenever you're out there shooting focus just as intently on the boring stuff as you do on the exciting stuff because honestly the exciting stuff is usually the type of customer that's already probably gotten a million photos given right, to them. right right <laughs> you know yeah. in in supercars and things like that they they're not even going to purchase that much but it's just fun to shoot those i get it um right. so it's something that we kind of are reminded when we are told these stories by people and i share them with our guys that you know this customer wrote in and said this you know, real heart touching thing about something that we shot. And it's very humbling. You know, I really appreciate them. That's great. I mean, you know, as for people who haven't ridden Tale of the Dragon and seen this. So when you guys are shooting, you often have a banner up that will say killboy.com or um, and so people can see that they may not have even known you guys were shooting photos, but that maybe caught their eye. I know that's what happened for me and it's happened for other people is you riding on Tail of the Dragon. Maybe you're doing this long ride. You're doing Cherhala Parkway. You're doing NC-28. You're doing, you know, riding through Great Smoky Mountains National Park. And you're like, hey, you know, I remember seeing that banner and, and you guys. So you were saying you you shoot 50,000 photos a week. And so you upload regularly and then you have them kind of. I don't know exactly I classify them, I'm sure, by day, but like you basically, somebody who rode by and like, hey, they, they were in that corner, they can go to your website and track down the approximate time that they were there and find whatever photos may be available that your team shot. Is that correct? Yeah, that's a, and that's an interesting point that, that a lot of people kind of take for granted is our guys, we actually sort the photos into categories on top of the date um, and the time. So you start by going to the calendar and click on the date you were there. And then there's categories for like cruisers and full dressers is one category, you know, and that's a big one. And it's hard to split that up any further, but that keeps people from having to look through all the car shots and all the sport bike shots. So our guys are on the side of the road as they're shooting with a laptop in their lap, sorting those photos into those categories while they're shooting. They'll shoot over 10,000 on a busy day, each, you know, person. So for the customer to be able to go in and not have to, A, know exactly what time they were there, um, they can sort of just skim through that category, but it breaks it into 
a lot smaller chunk of photos they have to look through for that day. Um, and that's something that our guys do while they're shooting because at the end of the day, in order, the customer wants to look at the photos that night or the next day, if possible, you know, if, right. and we try to get people to be patient, just be like, enjoy your vacation. They'll be there when you get back home. You know, you right. don't have to, but I get it. You know, they're excited and it's very flattering that people want, you know, to see their photos. We, we definitely appreciate that because that means that they want our business, but uh, yeah, we hustle to get them, you know, online that night and they're usually visible the next day. Right. Um, so that the, the customers can look at them and we don't upload the service that we use it it creates um it automatically generates a smaller file a thumbnail that goes on the website and then the full-size version doesn't get uploaded so that makes it go quicker sure. um, and yeah, that makes when sense. people yeah. order they get their full size when they order but it, it's a process that that sort of creates a little delayed it's not instant that you get the sure. thing but we also get a chance to edit the photos that way we can't edit all of them before uploading but yeah. When a customer orders, they usually get a better version than what they saw online. And that's another part of our success, I think, is the under-promise, over-deliver thing. We don't tell people that we do that. Right, right. Um, and it does take us a couple of days when we get jammed with orders. You know, there's a process that we have to go through. They don't understand that. They're like, why didn't I get the photo I just ordered? You know, and it's like, we, we go through all the photos and it's like a post office. Everything's getting backed up yep. and we're going through them as fast as we can, but it can take a day or two. So. Sure. But it's worth it, you know, and it's not something that's typically really needed that soon. Sometimes there's a funeral or something and they need the photos quick and we'll work with them to do that. But for the most part, we tell people just be patient. Trust me, it's worth it. You know, you're going to get a better picture than you think you will. And that's usually the case. They're very, very happy to wait and then excited with what they get. I mean, you're turning around photos remarkably fast, but I guess in this day and age, everybody wants everything. Right yeah. <laughs> so, and we could, I mean, we could set it up to where it would be instantly send. Yeah. They would but, be straight from the camera. But to me, that's amateur. To me, it's right. Like right professional right, photographer is right. always going to at least look over the shot and right. do any edits. And, right. um, and I think that it's worth it in the long run. It pays off. It's just, it requires a little bit of patience. I mean, we've, we've run some of your photos in the magazine when we, I mean, so, you know, Ryder runs tour stories, travel stories, and, you know, obviously the Appalachians are a popular place for people to do that. We'll have, you know, Blue Ridge Parkway story and somebody will do, you know, peel off and go do part of the tail dragon, or they'll be doing some, you know, yeah. smoky mountains. And, and so, and oftentimes this is an individual or a couple of people who are taking photos of th their bikes at static scenic locations or with some people. But as you said, even if you've got a buddy who even kind of knows what they're doing, it's hard for them to really frame up that most people, unless you've got a long lens, you've got, you know, a, a nice camera body, all that stuff. Most people don't want to carry that on a motorcycle. So unless you're already a professional photographer, most people are going to try and do what they can with a, a point and shoot or even their cell phone. And the, the bike's going to be really small in frame and all that stuff. So we've had a few people that have like, hey, you know, I've got this this trip I took and, and the story's good and the photos are decent. And they've got a, a, a Killboy photo. And I think I've reached out to you a couple of times just to get permission that we can run it. And we, we give attribution. Yeah. But I imagine you have people that probably come back to you again and again. They either they live in the area or this is a destination they go to. And they're like, hey, I know I can get a cool photo of me on my bike. Maybe they got a different bike. Maybe they're with friends. Exactly. Like, That's like, what hey. keeps our business going. <laughs> exactly. With repeat I mean, customers is people change and change yeah. their bikes and they want those new pictures. Yeah. Right. Right. Well, and I mean, I'm sure you've seen the popularity of Tale of the Dragon probably just explode over the years. I mean, I know it's 
I wrote it in 2005 and it was pretty popular even then. I was just there on a, just a summer weekend. I've been there, of course, during the Honda Hoot. And when that was in Knoxville and that was a big motorcycle rally, that was obviously tons of people want to ride that. And then, but there's all kinds of events and car shows and stuff where you've got clubs and things. I'm sure yeah. it could just be an absolute zoo on some weekends. It ebbs and flows for sure. That's It's not crazy busier than it's ever been it's just that when it hits sometimes it's it's very packed right and then it's weird because you get a lot of you get a lot of reporters when there's a lot of people you know what i'm saying okay. and so there's this tendency of the the feed that comes from the experiences that people have being it's crowded it's crowded and it's like well when nobody's there there's nobody to report that there's nobody there you right, see right right so right. all you get is this sort of one-sided view of it when it's really busy and so th that's why we started, um, we started doing like continuous all day roadside videos. I just got tired of people talking about how it's so packed. You can't do anything. And I'm <laughs> like, even on the busiest days, look at this. There's a whole, this is not a lie. You know, I'm not yeah. trying to drum up business. This is the video from the whole day. Go to any point in this eight hour long video, click on it and watch. Yeah. And I bet you, you'll see a good you know, 30 seconds, two minutes of video where there's nothing on the damn yeah. screen, you know, yeah, so they'll come through in packs and there'll be packs of people frustrated because they're jammed up in a pack. I get it. And that's their experience of what it was like. But the reality is for the most part, that road stays empty and right. you can get your free time. If you just break away from the pack, you know, let it go, pull over, do something to get away from all that. There's a lot of there's a lot of empty time out there on the road and and it's something you don't see unless you sit there on the side of the road taking pictures. <laughs> I mean, that makes sense because even like on an interstate or some freeway, like cars have this weird tendency to cluster together. And if you can yep. kind of break through that and then there'll be this huge long gap and then you'll catch up to another cluster of cars. And so, and I realized that, you know, that's a double yellow. And so obviously people kind of clump up behind each other or they ride as friends and stuff, but yeah. I, so, you know, the, Tail Dragon is, again, I know it's a destination as much as anything else now, because it's not only is that a, an interesting road to ride, but it's close to a lot of other interesting roads. I guess yeah. Moonshiner 28 is right there, goes to Fontana Dam, beautiful mm -hmm. road, Cherahala Skyway, you know, all of that stuff. Foothills Parkway. Foothills yeah, there's Parkway. so many good it's, roads in the area. Yeah. Did so you, you ever, can, did you do the new Foothills Parkway segment the last time you were here? Did you see that about two years ago, three years no, ago? They no, no, I haven't done anything out there that, that recent. No. Are you familiar with the Lynn Cove viaducts on the Blue Ridge yeah, Parkway, yeah. those bridges? So yeah. there's a section now of Foothills Parkway. They've, ex they've doubled it. So it used to just go from 129 to Townsend. Now it goes from Townsend over to Wares Valley also. So it gets you very close to, to Pigeon Forge and Gatlinburg now. It's a more direct way to get from there to the Dragon. So a lot of people are using it. Uh, but that new section has a section in it called the Missing Link, where they couldn't for decades figure out how to make a road on this one part. And they ended up creating those same types of bridges that go around a mountain. And it's just crazy. They've got this oh, big cool. drop off on one side. They're beautiful. And they're open bridges. They're not, you know, and they're not anything overhead. So it's very spooky to go across them and just to see this big drop off right out there on <laughs> the other side, but they're very pretty. So I'll have yeah. to get back out there. I haven't ridden in that specific area in quite a while. I mean, we did yeah. a little bit of Blue Ridge Parkway and some other of the roads. Uh, when I was out there for the Continental launch, but we didn't ride any. We didn't go that far east, I guess, or 
I don't know where we were. Relative. Yeah, it's a long road. The, the yeah, BLP and yeah. that section is way over there on the eastern end. So, so my my right. confession, of course, is that when I met you at the Continental launch, I told you about my very first press launch in 2008, and that was a Triumph launch that was hosted in Gatlinburg. So we stayed at a at a hotel in Gatlinburg, and again, I had just been hired at, at Rider Magazine. I had been on the job just a couple of months. And rule number one at a press launch is don't crash. Right. <laughs> so we were the riding, we did a loop from Gatlinburg. We did 441 through the park. We did Moonshiner 28. We did Tale of the Dragon. We did Foothill Parkway as it was at the time. And then from Townsend went back into the park and did this big loop. So that was first day on the B triple 1050 went fine. I think a couple of guys actually got tickets on the, on the dragon, but the second day we rode a mix of bikes. And um, when we got to the dragon, I was on a tiger 1050 and I was, you know, going into a, and this, we were a pretty, pretty fast group of, of riders and, or I was trying to keep up with a fast group of riders. I went into this corner pretty hot. It was a long kind of carousel left-hander and I, went in and I was leaning and I was leaning and I was leaning and then something started to drag. And then before I knew it, the rear wheel came off the ground and I was into a ditch. And um, I, of all the places you can crash in the dragon, uh, this was like kind of a, a shallow ditch full of like leaves and, and dirt. I mean, I barely scuffed my gear. The, the, the bike was rideable, had just a few scratches nice. on it, yeah. but I picked it up. We got it back on the road, but just across the way, I saw your banner. You were actually shooting that corner. <laughs> so yeah. I, you know, had the ride of shame back to the hotel. I had to call <laughs> the editor and tell him that I had crashed and I was thought I was going to lose my job because, you know, I had broken the, the, the golden rule. But I went onto your website and found a basic, I think it was about a 12 photo sequence of you capturing me kind of going and you can see me leaning and leaning and leaning and then there's sparks and then there's like, you just see this kind of cloud of dust when I hit into the <laughs> ditch. And then you've got this great photo. You captured me kind of like holding my helmet and like kind of hanging my head in shame. I wasn't hurt, but so I have these photos that I haven't really shared with many people because it's kind of this embarrassing thing because I work at a magazine. Not really <laughs> about that stuff. But I told you that story at that Continental launch. And then we were at the BMW Performance Center. We're on BMWs. We're testing these road attack fours. And we're doing some of these braking exercises. And as you may recall, because you were there, yeah. and is it your is it your wife Lori that was there shooting with you? Yeah. So we were doing some braking exercises where we we're supposed to go from like a dead stop to 30 miles an hour. And once we went across some cones, is basically grab full brake, both front and rear, maximum braking, and come to a stop. And so we did that. And then we did it up to like 50 miles an hour. And when I did that one, I was on a F900R and I once I crossed the cones I did full brake but I forgot to get on the rear and I grabbed a lot of front and I went into this pretty big stoppy and I'm not a stunting guy I can't do a stoppy on purpose unintentional <laughs> yeah. stoppy yeah yeah unintentional <laughs> stoppy and I was a, and, and fortunately it came down gracefully and uh you and Lori I think you got it from two different angles both of you it totally looked like you meant to do it it was so well done <laughs> So, but the funny, I was, I was so relieved that you didn't end up capturing me crashing twice. Like the two times you've shot me would have been <laughs> like luck, Darryl, me, yeah. me crashing. And I would have crashed in front of this big audience of other journalists and BMW Academy trainers and stuff. But yeah, so I was in, weird thing, I was in, you know, BM, the F900R has ABS, but I was in dynamic mode. And so the intervention is less. And so I just got a handful of brake and it was just, and I was fast enough, I guess, just enough to get the rear wheel up couple of feet, but boy, I was relieved that it came back down. And actually, we just ran the review of those tires in our February issue, January issue. 
and uh, I've got that <laughs> stoppy photo. So great job to you and Lori on that. Yeah, we need to find out where those shots that we got that day are, are being published or posted or whatever. But yeah, a testament to the tires, you know, they were they were not terribly warmed up. You were sitting in a group of guys waiting right. your turn and they still worked really well. So, you know, that was impressive that they performed like that. But um yeah, the way that it that it was so smooth and it looked like you had done it a million times. So I, I wish so I wish kudos you, know. to you for <laughs> So, like pull I said, if I tried to do it, I I wouldn't be able to pull it off. So, it hey, was, do you remember when you got the uh, previous photos of the um, incident at the Dragon from us? Do you remember that we typically do not? Well, I mean, we never charge for crash photos. So, if somebody orders crash photos, we'll usually do a refund. Do you remember any of that? I I don't because that was two thousand eight. It was a long yeah. time ago. I mean, I would have gladly paid for them, but that you may have you may have comped them to me. I may have even yeah, usually we'll just go ahead and do a refund. Yeah. We don't feel it's right to, well, 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 first of all, we try not to post up in places where people crash a lot, but I mean, people crash everywhere. It's weird. Sure. Yeah. They'll crash in the weirdest places, but there is a, I think I know what you're talking about. It's, if it's what I'm thinking, it's a double, long double apex turn really. And it's, people hit the first apex and it sort of starts to open up. And then there's a tighter little second apex. And some people struggle with that, especially if you don't know it to run out between apexes they'll end up hugging the double yellow basically between the two apexes and it sets you up wrong for the second one so it's a really fun turn to nail right and to get it right you almost have to like come in too fast and turn in too early which is a no-no most of the time you know on a motorcycle and then you run out between the apexes and then come back in and catch the second one it's just beautiful if you do it right but a lot of people don't have it memorized like that sure. um, it took me like two years to get that road started memorized yeah and, i don't uh, i've only ridden it a few times and not and as many corners as there are on that road i i certainly didn't have it mapped out in my head right and yeah it's for me i know learn. it was a certain amount of exuberance trying i mean i was riding with a very skilled uh group of riders neil bailey was one of the people on that press launch at the time uh, i know he was with you at the continental launch yeah. that um they were just you know skilled riders and they were going at a good pace and i was just in a little bit over my head for my it's a funny set. that's it's almost always the case that if people do crash they're usually not by themselves yeah they get sucked they're, in they're either trying to stay in front of somebody to to show them how fast they can ride or they're trying to keep up with somebody that's maybe a little quicker than them and um right. it tends to it, we all do it i mean i've been there too but i've wrecked a couple of times by myself but sure a lot of times it's with other people you know well hey i don't i mean on the subject of crashing i don't really want to glorify anything but i mean you've been shooting there for years i'm sure you've probably seen some pretty crazy stuff so whether it's wild vehicles or i mean i would think the problem that you get into at a place like the dragon is that people are just like you say they're trying to show off they're trying to show off to their buddies or even to complete straight camera what? yeah or the camera to the camera yeah some people chill out it's a you know it's a hit or miss thing some people get a little bit harder when they see the camera and we get blamed for that and it's like well we see almost an equal number of people that sort of straighten up they're cutting it up or something like that and they're cutting lanes and then they see us and they're like whoop they straighten up you know so right. it's a it's a 50 50 thing but yeah we see a lot out there we see a lot of people you know pushing it some crashes it's a long road and people think that we see every crash out there we don't you yeah. know and a lot of people crash in other places but it's really a safe place to ride and crash um i'd rather take my chances with low speed and leaves and trees than 
the higher speeds and the guardrails of some of the other roads around there, their, their percentages of serious injuries are way higher on other roads, but the frequency of crashing is pretty high on the Dragon. We see probably 10 to 12 on a busy day, um, sure. people wrecking, you know, as far as like leaving the pavement is, right. is a wreck, you know, if you run off into the ditch or something like that. Um, but actual fatalities is probably like two or three it, it is two or three a year on average okay which is awful you know that yeah. sucks but to consider how challenging the road is and how many hundreds of thousands of motorcyclists come through there um, over the course of a year um, it's pretty remarkable numbers you almost go anywhere else that there's any kind of concentration of motorcycles and you're going to see way higher numbers you know daytona bike week will be 18 fatalities in one right. week you right, know, right. Um, the the motor mile in nearby Maryville has way more fatalities, you know, several per month versus, you know, per year on the Dragon. But the Dragon just gets so reported, you know, everything right. that happens out there is viral. It's probably video. You know, there's so many cameras. There's so many people running cameras. So anything that happens, it usually gets captured and, and spreads, you know. And then when we used to, it's interesting, when we used to go, and do these motorcycle shows for the IMS up north, and we'd represent the county and and tell the dragon and tourism for the for Graham County. People would say, you know, I want to go, but I hear about how dangerous it is in, in <laughs> Ohio or something, you know. And I'm like, hey, look, th this is how I put it to you: like, if somebody wrecks on your road here in Ohio, on Ohio State Road 17, that's maybe famous for motorcycling or whatever, you right. know, do you think I'm going to hear about it back in North Carolina? Right. No. If somebody wrecks on the dragon. Are you going to hear about it? Probably. Right. You know, it's, it's so overreported that there's this lopsided sort of hazardous nature to it that sort of works against it, but works for it. You know, people don't do it because it's safe. They don't ride motorcycles because it's safe. It's a fun, exhilarating, challenging thing. It's like skydiving or anything. You know that you're what you're getting into and why people come here. Right. But there's like you said, there's so many good roads and it steals a the thunder. There's there's really just great riding all around the area and you got to do the dragon, check it off, get your photo. Yeah, um, exactly. Get your photo off your bucket list. But, yeah. Uh, but yeah, spread out and see some of the other roads around the area. And um, if you can stay in Robbinsville, I call it like the center of the spider web. It's all these good roads that branch out. If you stay in Pigeon Forge or Gatlinburg, you get more options for nightlife and stuff like that. Right. But you're also sort of on the outside of the spider web. So you've got right. to kind of get into it. Um, and it'll take you a couple hours from there. So you got to figure, you know, two to four hours a day are just getting to the good roads from there right. versus being in them if you're staying, you know, in the middle here. Well, yeah, I mean, right there that branches off of, uh, you know, connects at the end of uh, the Dragon uh, NC-28, known yep. as sometimes Moonshine of 28. That is such a great scenic flowing road. It's I, I've been on that one many times. It's a lot of fun. Cherhala Skyway, which is not as technical, but it's, you know, got fantastic views. Yeah, mile um, high yeah you know, mile high road fantastic flowing road yeah so i mean you know you and your wife work together you've got a team of people that work with do you guys shoot uh other roads or you pretty much concentrate your efforts on tail of dragon yeah we've we have and we do some shoot some of the other roads but we just found that it's kind of pointless the pictures don't look that much different and everybody thinks on the skyway we can get this beautiful wide panoramic shot of them on their motorcycle yeah but the reality of photography is you can't get a wide shot and not end up with a small subject in that shot and then when you shrink that down and put a million of them on the storefront you can't find your damn picture you know yeah. you just <laughs> good point good point in this yeah. shot and there's five thousand of those types of shots and it gets very hard so the skyway we've tried it a few times and what we found is that the traffic is way less dense 
And so you just sit there for long periods of time with right. nothing to do, nothing going by. Right. And then most of the people that are on the Skyway are on the Dragon also. So we just right. get redundancy problems with that. Yeah. So I would I would like to be able to sort of work with photographers in other parts of the country that are farther away from here right. and have a network of photographers. And we might be able to do that as internet becomes more faster in this area. But for right now, our internet speed is just so limiting. We can't right. transfer gigabytes of data onto our servers so that we can fill orders like we need to. Right. So fiber optic and stuff is coming and that might change things for us. Sure. Um, so sure. we'll see. I mean, I saw there was a, I uh, was at the Americade rally a few years ago. That's up in Lake George, New York. You know, that gets yeah. a lot of attendees. It's also quite scenic. And there was a guy on some road who had a little banner set up and was shooting some photos. And so I would think that maybe that's would be, I mean, I'm sure you've thought of this, but like, that's that would be where you've got this like target rich environment where you've got yeah. a lot of people, you've got a few scenic roads. Sturgis would be a great place, you know, where you find a, a good scenic location in Sturgis and you just, you know, could do that. And then you shoot for 10 days and work your ass off, but you'd have a million, you know, uh, photos and, and a bunch of people would be through there. So, yeah. It used to be that we couldn't really justify taking myself or somebody away from the dragon and go do that. Right. Um, but it probably could, but, but now we've gotten to the point where we're a little more um, self-sustaining business model and I don't have to be out there on the road as much um, right, right. ever now. I've got a good team of guys that just crush it. Um, yeah. And then we're, we've gotten the business to where we've got some help filling orders and things. So the wife and I can sort of step away and do those things together, yeah. but we're, we're moving more towards video and videography stuff sure. and trying to provide that service now. So I'm not sure I could go do those things. It comes down to, what I really have fun doing and want to do. And I don't know if I want to sit on the side of the road for even two or three days at one <laughs> of those events and just, you know, grind it out there shooting those photos when I, I don't really have to do that. We're doing okay. And I'm happy with our income. I mean, obviously you always want more, sure, but I'm pretty happy with where we are. So now I'm just doing things that I really enjoy and I really am having fun getting video and shooting video for people and doing that type of thing for businesses. Also, we've been right. working with some companies on doing professional videography. And so how does like the, too. how does the video work for, I mean, are you talking about like on tail of dragon? Cause like, I know when you do ride by, you're doing a bunch of, of, you know, individual, you know, photo stills, their action shots, but how does it, how does it work for on the video side? Other, I'm not talking about commercial clients necessarily, but right. personal about level. Tail of the dragon. Yeah. They can hire us for like hours or a day and then, okay. We'll just work with them to get as much footage as we can from I different see. things. You know, I fly the drone. I've got the rig on the vehicle that right. I can film them with. And then we can do audio stuff as well. And then I just deliver that product if they want to edit. I, if I've got time, I can edit, but I don't typically have time. So they have to just figure that out themselves. Gotcha. But, um, right. but yeah, we typically work one-on-one. -on -one. I would like to be able to provide a video of each person going by, kind of like we would do with photos. But there's still not a real viable means of hosting and and protecting that video from being stolen, you know, and delivering the product properly and things like this. It's, it's it's still kind of just too too time consuming for again what I want to do. I don't see myself. Yeah, I mean, and, and for most and most ride bys, just it would be such a short clip for most yep. people that it would be hardly worth it. You know, and then we've got them going by in two different directions, so somebody's going to complain because I didn't get them because somebody's going the other way. You know, <laughs> yeah, it's just, it, it gets ugly. And if there's yeah. a line of bikes, you can't focus on yeah, you know, any one bike. So that's where the roadside video would, would kind of work. Like we yeah. would just set up a GoPro, basically shooting one turn while we were where our guy was 
was photographing, but and people would like go in and find their clip and share it with their friends, but it wasn't a very cinematic, you know. Right. Um, right. It was more of like a, a security camera type feed. <laughs> right. So well, I mean, like when camera. we were, sh- I mean, we were shooting the continental launch and that this often happens at photo shoots and, and press launch stuff. Like you said, you've got a rig where you can set up a camera card where you can basically do what they call rollers or tracking shots where you're basically yep. following the car, uh, you know, right off the bumper. And you've got this great, you know, action sequence that's, you know, it, it's just the bike and it's this, you know, very up close. Feels the frame. Yeah. yeah those, we, some of those photos from that when we were going around the track at the BMW Performance Center look great, you know, but but that's like you, like you said, you've got to work with people one on one. You can't yeah, do it, that like catch, you have catch no can. I, well, you you know this, but most people have no idea how many photos it takes to get those one or two bangers you got to take yeah a thousand photos right and then dig through all that to find you know five or ten good shots right. um you take so many bad shots with that so you definitely have to spend some one-on-one time with right. a person to bang out those types of shots but they end up being phenomenal when they are good yeah i mean when we we do a photo shoot i mean again it's typically like us you know i'll go out with a with a photographer we work with a guy locally we've been working with for years and we'll go out and we'll spend all afternoon until it gets yep. dark and typically that late light photography is the best it's the but, best <laughs> you know we're going to run maybe 12 photos in the magazine and especially mm-hmm. if it's a cover shot we do a, a dedicated cover setup location and then we you know we do several setups for different actions you know sides of the bike and different backgrounds and then statics and all that is in a single corner where we're especially if we're shooting a a, a cover it's it maybe the it's late light sun's going down i mean i've done 50 or 60 f- passes in the same corner and i'm talking about just a short shot through a corner you do a quick turnaround you know you yep. turn often on a narrow little you know mountain road, <laughs> and then i'm i go back as, and you do it as many times as you can as quickly as you can and it is yep. And so everyone seems to think that, oh, you just they just captured that one photo and it's that simple. But, you know, as well as anybody that it's there's way more effort in making the sausage in terms of the number of of shots that are required, the the editing that's required to get that one. It's a grind, really good banger shot. You know, it's a grind on all parties, too. It's you on the bike going back and forth. You know, we've we've done some of these organized professional shoots where we were the subject not necessarily the photography and i gather up a group of people they're like you know we need like 12 riders to come shoot this clip for this 4d movie that we're making for instance we did one of these for pigeon forge theater and they brought in this professional drone operator and it was in like the winter they wanted to come shoot on the skyway and i tell people it's like it's not going to be fun it's not what you think you know so <laughs> just if you want to do this and be a part of this that's cool but come in with the right mindset if you've never done a professional shoot before you've got to understand that it's 99 percent sitting around suck you know time frame and then one (laughs) percent actually doing something exciting and then park and wait while everybody resets and so like you going back and forth you're spending more time turning around than you are riding that torrent that corner and it's yeah, not, I mean it's, it's exactly. I mean, that's the joke. Is like we don't really ride bikes; we just turn them around. I mean, and again, these are, I've done <laughs> yeah. U-turns on big, big Harley, you know, touring bikes. Nine hundred. You get pounds. really good at that part too. And right? then I mean, it's like doing that on a little lane and a half wide, gravel-strewn, pitched road. It's just it's that's. But I had a friend come on. Like we had like a five-bike sport touring comparison a number of years ago, and we needed bodies on bikes. And I invited a buddy of mine to come along, and. um about halfway through that experience with not, I mean, the ride was fun, but then with all the photography and, and, and cleaning the bikes and getting everything ready setting things up and then doing the photo passes, he's like, Hey, 
thanks for inviting me, but don't invite me again. He's like, I like <laughs> ride motorcycles. I do it for fun. This is too much like work. And I'm like, exactly. Well, You've got to get them in the right headspace before they even get there. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise they will really be disappointed, but it can turn into some, you know, just wait and see what we get. Cause sure. it's like, yeah. you don't understand how good this can be right. until you see it at the end. And if that doesn't excite people, they're not, you know, they're not turned on by those things then it's not for them. But right. some people, a lot of people can really appreciate what you end up getting. It's like, Whoa, you know, you didn't expect that good of a thing. And that's, that's always very rewarding to me is to surprise people with how good the content ends up being um, sure. again, like under promise over deliver, just really a big thing to me. Well, I certainly invite invite people to go to killboy.com and check out your website because there's not only the individual, like you said, there's thousands of photos of people that are going passing through on Tail of Dragon, but you've got a cool section of scenic photos that are really just stunners. I mean, they're like wall right. art. You can, you know, purchase those to of of the mountains there in in uh in the Appalachians. It's it's really stunning stuff. So I mean again I, I total respect man you said that you started this off as a hobby you bought a a point and shoot digital camera from circuit city in the late 90s didn't know what you were doing and you've grown it into not only becoming a skilled photographer but having a successful business so hey man i'll you know respect you did a you worked your ass off and you've done well so I, that's great yeah it's it's been a lot of work but it's also just being in the right place at the right time yeah. a lot of success is is more predicated, I think, on that than hard work. There's a lot of people working really hard out there that are struggling sure. and work harder than me. But I just happened to, to have my options open to the point that I could step away from what I was doing and not get too worried about that. And I was very fortunate in that regard at that time. It's something that even my parents and my my dad, bless him, he, he kind of doubted. You know, he never told me this, but he kind of was like, what do you, I don't know what he thinks he's doing, <laughs> quitting his job and going to sit on the side of the road, take pictures. And at the end, he was very proud of me and couldn't believe how, how well it did. Yeah. And um, I could tell it meant a lot to him, you know. Sure. Well, I mean, like I say, it's a self, it's a self-made business and that, you know, that's a, that's kind of the American entrepreneurial spirit. And, you know, you never, some, yeah, you never know. I mean, when you got started doing this as a hobby, you probably had no idea where you were going to end up with it. No way. But, yeah, but you no know, way. you now, you employ other people, you've got a team of people, you've, uh, you've made a name for yourself, have a reputation. And you, as you said, you've got customers who reach out to you and say, Hey man, I really appreciate these photos you did because they meant a lot to me. It was a ride with yeah. my dad or with my son or, or the last man. ride that somebody was on before something happened to him, you know, they passed on or something. So, Hey, that's great. You know, um, yeah, well, hey, I humbling. really appreciate your time. Uh, it's been good talking to you. I, I I'm glad I finally had a chance to meet you in person at that <laughs> continental launch. Uh, meet you and your wife uh, and be able to sort of tell you the personal story about me, you capturing my, my, uh, embarrassing crash on my first press launch, but I'm glad that didn't happen at the continental launch. <laughs> <laughs> you did good, man. Yeah. You saved it. Awesome. Well, we'll have a link to killboy.com. Uh, is there, can people find you on social media as well, or is it mostly just go to your website? Oh yeah. We've got a pretty strong, uh, Facebook and Instagram accounts. Um, so if you just search for killboy.com on either of those, they'll show up and our YouTube channel has over a thousand videos on it. Wow. Um, yeah. Same thing. Killboy spelled out D-O-T-C-O-M at the end is typically our social media stuff. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. That's a good thing. You've got, you managed to get a, a memorable short uh, handle. Yeah. A little morbid, but you know, it's, it, yeah. it sticks and it's short, like you said. Yeah, so it it's works memorable. Okay. Yeah. So, well, Hey, thanks again <laughs> for your time. And uh, for the writer magazine insider podcast, I'm Greg Drevenstead. Thanks for listening. Keep the rubber side down.
If you've enjoyed listening to the Writer Magazine Insider Podcast, please subscribe, leave us a positive rating, and tell your friends. We also encourage you to visit writermagazine.com, where you can get the latest in motorcycle news and reviews and sign up for our free weekly newsletter. You can also subscribe to print and digital editions of Writer Magazine, which is published 12 times a year. Thanks again for listening.